Last week we started on kingdom principles. Tonight we'll continue on with that, and we're going to talk tonight about citizenship. Next week we'll talk about stewardship. Now stewardship, I probably shouldn't have announced that. Because most people, when you even say the word, they immediately go to how you, how you manage money. But stewardship is far deeper and greater. When it comes to kingdom principles, stewardship, the money part is the most minute part of the deal. When you consider kingdom. And you'll get a little bit of glimpse of that tonight in understanding some things that God wants us to grab hold of. And I just pray that you will latch on to what we're going to talk about. In Ephesians chapter 2, that's where we're going to start. And it's interesting that in, especially in Corinthians and, and Ephesians and Paul's epistles, really, he uses at least three different things, kingdom being the first thing, but then he uses an example of the physical body and he also uses the example of a house or a household. And they all relate to the same issue, and that's his kingdom, God's kingdom. So in Ephesians 2, we start right off with that part, and we deal with the household of God. Verse 19, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now these verses are actually critical to our understanding of God's ministry over us and through us of his kingdom. And you will see those things as we go along. And I'm reading them rather quickly because I've got to move quickly to get everything in that I want to get in. But he deals with us as the household of God. In, in actually in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he likens it to the body, and he talks about all of the parts of the body, and every part has a, a, a purpose. Every part has a function. Every part is necessary. In fact, to the point that he says if one of those parts suffers, then we all suffer. And we know what that's like. You get a, you get a sore toe and your head hurts. It's just the way it is because once when the body suffers, every part of the body suffers along with it. And when the body rejoices, we are supposed to. We are supposed to rejoice with it. Whatever part of the body it is, we're supposed to rejoice with it. And one of the things I want you to grasp, and if you have your core values card, I want you to get it out and hold it and keep it close to you so you can follow with it. Because everything about the kingdom is related in our core values. We, last week we talked about it. We keep Jesus at the center. He's the king. We understand that. We don't deviate from that, not even a little bit. We dealt with the issue of that because he is the center, we are a spirit-led people. Now, I'm going to get even deeper into that part 
here in just a few minutes. Besides just being a spirit-led people, because I want us to grasp the depth of what God wants us to realize. Now, Peter, in 2 Peter 2, 9 and 10, you don't have that one up there because I'm not going to read it or quote, uh, quote it. But he says that we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. And we are even a holy nation. I'm talking about the church, the kingdom of God. So when we say the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, or church, we are talking about that which is synonymous. God intends us to understand all of these different terms are actually vibrant ways that he expresses who he is and who his kingdom is. Because you can't really see the kingdom unless you see it in us. We can talk all day long about what kingdoms this, kingdoms that. In fact, the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink. It's not about duties and rituals and sacrifices. And he said it's not about any of that. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And there's that word again about the Spirit. And more and more and more, we're going to get into the depths of the kingdom operation through the Spirit. You are fellow citizens because of Jesus Christ. We're not citizens because of anything we've done, except we are citizens because we ask Jesus into our lives and we're born again. You can't be a citizen and not be born again. You must understand that. The only way to be a citizen is to be born again, to give our hearts to Jesus and accept him because he's already accepted us. Listen, if you feel an unction or a pulling in your heart to come to Jesus, it's because he's doing the pulling. It isn't even of your own thought processes. It's God by his spirit wanting you to be a part of his kingdom so he's pulling on you to see it done. It's his desire, his will, his purpose, his cause. He wants you to be a part of his kingdom. And he uses his Holy Spirit to do it. Now we're going to go to John. John's a great book. We like John. I do, anyway. I don't know if you like John, but I like John. But John 14 tells us some things that I want you to grasp. Let not, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there, you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, let's go back to that. Let's go back over that. Don't be troubled about what's going on in this world. Don't be troubled about the mess of anything that's happening. You just shouldn't be troubled about any of it. Don't be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, you believe in Jesus Christ. So then he says, in my father's house are many mansions, or you could in fact put, insert there, dwelling places. Dwelling places. Now, in my young life, everything I heard about that verse had to do with the heavenly home being in heaven away from earth 
But the reality is, is Jesus is not talking about a heavenly place. He said, I am going to prepare a place so that where I am, you can be there also. Now, I want you to grasp this. He prepared the place by his sacrifice. When he was sacrificed, crucified, and he was buried, raising again on the third day, went into heaven to present the to prepare the place. Went into heaven taking the sacrificial blood, which he was supposed to do, which is why at the tomb he told the women, don't touch me because I have not yet ascended to my father. He couldn't have anybody from earth touch him and take the sacrifice. He went to heaven, finalized the sacrifice, completed the work, and in fact was accepted in the heavens as the perfect lamb, price fully marked paid, debt fully marked paid, redemption signed, sealed, and delivered, that you and I are redeemed by the blood of the lamb, and then he set it about and established it and made it a permanent thing. He sealed it and signed it in his own blood and made it a permanent covenant so that all who come to him would not be denied, would not be refused, but would be brought into his kingdom. He made a way. That's why he said prior to that, no one comes to the Father except through me. Nobody comes into the kingdom except through Jesus. So therefore, you cannot be a part of the kingdom without salvation, without accepting Jesus. Are you, are you grasping that? All right, so then we go from there over to verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Same John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I, Jesus, will pray the Father to the Father. And he, the Father, will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you, now he's talking to his disciples, he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. So Jesus is expressing the, the totality of the purpose of being a citizen in heaven or a citizen of the kingdom is because he has set it about and the comforter, the Holy Spirit, is being sent to us to dwell in us. And we know that happened, well, all right, and those who may not know what happened, in Acts chapter 2, the scripture says when the when day of Pentecost fully come, sound of rushing mighty wind filled all the house. There appeared on them cloven tongues as a fire. And they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, whichever one you want to call it. And from that day on, every time those things happened, it was another baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it was a continual moving of God's Holy Spirit that he had released into our hearts, into our lives by his promise, by his will. He begat us in him by his own will, gave us his name, called us into his kingdom, which is 
He is the supreme over all in all things. And that is all things, meaning the entire universe as well as the earth. And now we are fellow citizens in the kingdom of God. We're not going to be citizens when we all get to heaven. We're already citizens in this earth. Therefore, Paul likened himself and said, I'm an ambassador. Now, we all can be ambassadors of this kingdom if we understand that we are in him and he now is in us. Now, if, if you read verse 23, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. If anyone loves me, Jesus is talking, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. Now I want you to get, words are important. And I want you to see this. And we will come to him and make our home in him. So in him, in Colossians, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Complete. But he who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Look at it closely. My Father will love him. We. Who's we? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because he sent the Comforter, he sent the Holy Spirit, and through the Holy Spirit, we are now indwelled with an omnipresent God, an omnipresent loving Jesus, and an omnipresent Holy Spirit. The one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. We see him in his three places, but he's in essence one in us. Therefore, we can say Christ in you. Christ is not Jesus' middle name. Christ is a title that declares he is the anointed one of God and his anointing is fully in him. So if his anointing is in him, then his anointing is fully, his anointing is fully in us. And he has made us sit together with him in heavenly places in a present tense mindset. Because you see, we read where it says, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father, waiting until his enemies be made his footstool. And he hasn't left there. But as an omnipresent being, he doesn't have to leave anywhere because he's already everywhere. But you've got to get your head around this because you've got to get out of the old vernacular of the Western mindset of how we think God ought to operate because we see all of these separate entities and, and we think, how in the world is God going to do all of this? But he's omnipresent. You can't think in your finite thought processes about the ways of God. His ways are so far above. But the neat thing is, is they are not past being able to found out. We find them out. And so what he has done in making us fellow citizens with the saints, and he inhabits every one of us. He does. 
He inhabits us. He's phenomenal. He's tremendous. And he's glorious if you'll grasp hold of what we're talking about. Now, a neat thing I want to show you. Because the Lord, I was talking to him, I've been talking to him about this for a while now. But in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 9, he begins to show us something else. He is giving us an earthly example. You don't have to go there. It's, it's, I'm going to explain it more than read it. He's giving us an earthly example of what his heavenly kingdom is like in the spirit. Solomon was the son of David. David was a warrior king and therefore could not build the tabernacle or the temple rather. But he read, built everything that Solomon would need and supplied every resource before he passed away and Solomon received it all. Solomon starts out in, in uh, Second Chronicles, he, he's the very part, first part, and he starts out receiving the kingdom and praying for wisdom. And while he's praying for wisdom, God honors it and not only honors his prayer in giving him wisdom beyond anybody ever, but he also gives him everything, now grasp this, that pertains to life and godliness. He has given us all things, us, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now you can also say life and godlikeness. He has made us in his image and in his likeness. That's what it says in Genesis. Adam fell away. Jesus, the last Adam, redeemed everything that Adam had lost, took it all back, the Bible says, came out of heaven having the keys to death, hell, and the grave, as well as all the keys of the kingdom and has delivered them to us in the form of the son of his love whom he cares for more than anything so that when the father sees you, he sees him. When the father talks to him, he's talking to you. When the Father wants to manifest his love, he does it through him and the Holy Spirit to us. And all we have to do is look at it. So God said in the scripture that he chose the things that can be seen to reveal to us the spiritual things that we cannot rightly see right now. So what he's saying is, look at what I have made Look at what I have given you that you can see that's tangible. Look at what you can touch. Look at what you can smell. Look at what you can feel. Look at what you can, can eat. Look at all of it. Because what did Jesus say? Well, don't take thought for what you're going to wear. Look at the lilies. Don't take thought for what you're going to eat. Consider the sparrows. Don't be concerned about things of this life like where you're going to live. Don't I house the whole of the animals in the kingdom? 
Are you not much more valuable to me than a sparrow? Aren't you more valuable to me than a lily that fades in day's time and is heat in an hour's time? Aren't you more valuable to me and do not I watch over you in a greater capacity than I watch over the sparrows and the lilies of the field and the flowers and, the, and everything else? So God is saying, I'm watching after you because you are joint heirs with Christ. Remember what Christ is? You are heirs of the anointing of God, having his anointed living in us through the Holy Spirit. We are fellow citizens. So we look at Solomon, and in, in chapter 9, we get to chapter 9, and we read where the Queen of Sheba has come to see. That's why I like, I was having that conversation the other day. The Queen of Sheba came to see him, and she told him. Now, I've been told some things that were amazing, but I didn't believe them. I had to come myself. Now, believe me, when she came herself, it was no small little suitcase. It, it had nothing to do with a carry-on bag. Because she showed up with thousands of servants. Her throne took a hundred or more servants to carry it. It had, it had steps in it to get to the seat. They picked it up and carried it. She had camels in abundance, ships unbelievable, the number of ships. So she came with great wealth, great pomp, and great uh, fanfare. And yet, this scripture says in chapter 9, when she saw what was going on with Solomon, she had no heart within her. She sank in awe of what she saw. Because what she saw, she couldn't believe she was seeing. Because in the kingdom of Israel at this time, everybody was fluent. Everybody was prosperous. There was no lack. In fact, this portion of scripture says that silver was counted as nothing. And gold was, wasn't even, it wasn't a premium, it was everywhere. And she brought more gold, and yet when she was done bringing all of her gifts of spices and gold and all of the things she brought, which was a great abundance, the scripture says Solomon gave her back more than she brought. Because Solomon's kingdom had no lack. That which you can see, you can believe, is the kingdom which you cannot see. She had no lack. What does the scripture say to you and I? In Christ Jesus, there should be no lack. That's why stewardship is going to be so critical to understand in understanding the principles of the kingdom. There is no lack in Jesus Christ. There's no lack of health, there's no lack of strength, there's no lack of finance, there's no lack of resource, there's no lack of knowledge, there's no lack of wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of the Lord who gives liberally. 
If you have to need, if you need knowledge, he's got ways to teach us because the Holy Spirit is here to lead and guide us into all truth, knowledge of truth. If you're taking a test at school and you've studied, all you got to do is pray and ask God and his knowledge will come to your mind. Holy Spirit will help you. He will literally get you through some of the toughest exams you never thought you could even pass. And I hear people tell it all the time. We once had a professor from CMOF. She was a professor of quantitative analysis here at CMO, this was years ago. And she was going for her dissertation and her doctorate. And when she and I were talking, the Holy Spirit just dropped it in. And I said, well, let me ask you something. The plan of Joseph in taking seven years of famine and bringing in a full supply, having sufficient so that in the seven years, of, I mean, in the seven years of plenty, we brought in and had a full supply. And so that in the seven years of famine, Egypt had sufficient not only for all of them, but for everybody else. What am I telling you? The kingdom. Joseph operated in a kingdom principle. God showed him how to do it. And I told her, I said, why don't you look at that? That has to fit into quantitative analysis. Because you're planning on seven years feeding the whole world. And to know how many barns you're going to have to have, how many storage facilities, how many this, how many that, how many people's got to manage it, how many people are going to have to distribute it. You got all of those things. And then when it comes down to it, you got to have the plan ready and set so that it operates fluently or, or uh, yeah, fluently. And so that you get it out there and it's done correctly. She got her doctorate. Jesus. <laughs> I don't know the first thing about quantitative analysis. I just know what God said. Can you know what God says? You. Because now who lives in you? See, we sometimes, we, we limit ourselves. Well, I got the Holy Spirit inside me. And that's true. But don't leave out the Father and Son. Didn't I just read what Jesus said to you? Does he, did he mean what he said? So my father and me, we're going to come in and we're going to live with you. That's why when you do stupid stuff and you start thinking about it, mm, what did I do that for? Because Holy Spirit's telling you, you know, Dad saw you. You know Dad's well aware of what you just did. And, and you know Jesus has already paid the price for that. So you might ought to just go ahead and fess up. Anybody know that word? You might as well just fess up and get, get it out of your system, get it gone, and remove it. Why? Because they're there. They're dwelling in us. And the neat thing is, is we're dwelling in them. Because in him we live and move and have our being. So we're seeing an example from Solomon's kingdom of what God intends you and I to see in the spirit, that we live in, a, in an affluent kingdom with power and authority and resource. We live in a kingdom that's filled with vitality and energy, absolutely saturated with the joy of the Lord. 
we live in a kingdom that is governed by peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that keeps your heart and mind in the midst of a kingdom of this world. Though we're not of this world, we're still in it. Therefore, we have to have God's peace in the midst of this kingdom or we'll lose our mind. You understanding? Are you even grasping? See, it's critical to do that because we're in a deeper level in God's kingdom than what we have ever really understood and recognized. And it's time to move into it to a greater dimension. It's time. So then we go to Revelations uh, 21. You don't have to. I'm just telling you where it's at. And John said, and I saw, and he was with the angels. And he said, I saw this holy city, the new Jerusalem. And he goes to describing it. And he talks about the 12 gates named after the 12 tribes of Israel. He talks about the 12 foundation stones, which, by the way, went all the way around, which were named after the 12 apostles. He talked about the whole of the issue and what it looked like. He told about its, its dimensions. He told about its, its uh, beauty. He told about everything about it. He saw it all. He, he saw it. Then you flip over to 22. Well, no, stay in 21. He says, come and I'll show you the bride. You can go look it up. I'm going to show you the bride. Adorned beautifully. Coming out of heaven. The bride. It was the same image as the holy city. The only thing is, is the walls were made up of. Anybody want to venture a guess? Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. You are built up a holy temple. You are living stones built up as a holy temple. You are a precious jewel, a royal diadem in the hand of God. You are a part of this kingdom and his light shines through us that makes us translucent in him And you and I are part of what John saw coming out of heaven after the rapture as the bride of Christ fully adorned to establish his kingdom on earth at the end of all all things. And you and I are part of that. And he said, here's the bride. Jesus isn't marrying a city. He didn't get married to stone. He didn't get married to uh, uh, geography. He married his bride, his holy city, his royal priesthood, his gloriously adorned, fully cleansed and fixed, his beautified temple, which you and I are a part of. So if you will look at that portion of scripture when you're at home studying and you begin to look at it in depth, you'll begin to see, you can even see, because you see it's in the whole of the book. 
We're too busy taking one little portion and building an entire doctrine on one little portion of Scripture when the whole thing is fitly formed together without any gaps. From Genesis to Revelation 22, every bit of it points to where we are today and what God is doing in us today and we're way past the fixing twos. So now we're in the point of our core values where we truly are better together because we're one in him. We're joined together in Christ, fitly joined together in Christ. You and I are knit together a holy nation. We're better together. Therefore, we believe, as I just read you about Solomon's kingdom, and Solomon's kingdom was earthly, how much more is his kingdom where he uses gold for pavement? It says Solomon's silver wasn't even mentioned. But in Jesus' kingdom, golds the streets are made of. We are so caught in a Western mindset and in a materialistic mindset, we're missing the depth of what God has for us right now at this moment moving in us. Now, when this queen came to see Solomon's court, Solomon's thing, she said, all of your people are smiling. All of your people are well-dressed. All of your people are obviously well-fed. I fit that bill. All of your people. I see all of your people are this way. Those who serve you are serving you with such joy, with such love. I see it in their faces. And she lost her spirit, sank in her for such glory that she was beholding. And that's an earthly kingdom. How much more can I propose to you this kingdom you are a part of right now? We are part of a kingdom that is so royal and so glorious. Nothing like it is seen anywhere. And she was moved to the point of awe. And I'm telling you, we keep talking about, I'm, I'm so tired of hearing preachers say he's about to, he's about. He is doing it right now. And he wants to manifest his kingdom in and through us at Christ Church. In and through us in the region. He wants to manifest his kingdom because if we will allow him to, people will see his glory and run to him. That's what I said last week. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. All men. I don't know about you, but when I was in school, they taught me all men all. And all y'all men a plural of all. Now, I don't know if you all lived in an area where there was an all y'all. See, in southern Illinois, where I really grew up, it was Ewan's. It's pitiful what those people talk like. But when we were delivered and got to go to Tennessee, we learned all y'all. And we have seen God's glory and seen God's goodness and watched him do what he's going to do and watched him prosper in ways that should never have happened. Haven't we? 
We've watched him do things that people are still saying, how'd that happen? We still say, except we know how, because we declare it's him. And people are seeing his glory in your countenance if you're smiling. If you're smiling. Now, you've been eating sour pickles and you look like it. You, you better clean it up. Really. Doc was telling me today he likes fried okra. I'm praying for him. Because if I ate fried okra, I wouldn't be smiling. But he smiles. I know you would. I told him so. That's what brought it up. But the world is waiting to see. Was it Thessalonians? All creation groans. Groans. Waiting for all creation. All y'all need to know, all y'all creation are groaning, waiting for the manifestation that means to be seen the sons of God, the children of God. They're waiting. They're groaning. This earth is groaning. Let me tell you something. In, in more than it ever has before. More than it ever has before. All of creation. And most all of humanity is groaning for the manifestation. Now the rub comes because the Antichrist is starting to raise his head. He's always been here. But you're going to start seeing him in a fleshly form. Not going to name, but you're going to start seeing him. But we actually have a candidate on the docket right now that checks off every box that prophecy teachers have ever said of what the Antichrist is going to be like. I'm not saying that's him, but he sure could be. But all of this has fallen into place. And what the world wants to see is you and me talking about the glorious truth of God and his power living in us. They, they don't need to hear war stories that were successful in ways that we can't produce today. They need a visible display or manifestation of the glory and power of Almighty God in his kingdom from his citizens because we understand our king. We understand his beauty. We understand his glory. We understand his, or should understand his love. We understand his provision. He has given us all things. Uh, uh, Scott was speaking last uh, Sunday. Last Sunday? Yeah. When you get older, you forget which Sunday's which. But I'm still good because I remembered your name. Pastor might not even remember your name. <laughs> I don't even know what I was going to say. <laughs> huh? I know it was something Scott said. So I brought it up and I went down a rabbit trail and it got in a hole before I could remember it. 
He has given us all things that pertain to life. He's given us all things that we need to be like him, to act like him, to walk like him, to talk like him. He supplied for us. He is all sufficiency. That's it. He has given us all things with all sufficiency that we have all we needed for every good work. He's provided it. He's given it to us. And it's ours. But we have to implement it and use it and utilize it. It's no longer sufficient to just know we have it. We've got to call it out of heaven into our earth. We've got to take the storehouse. We need to empty storehouses in heaven in bringing it to the earth because there's nothing in heaven that needs a storehouse about. It's all for here. So we're going to have to, as citizens, appropriate the benefits of citizenship within the the place we dwell. And everything I've told you are the benefits of being a citizen. You see, because in the kingdom of heaven, he's the king, Jesus. He controls all of the wealth, all everything's his. But he freely distributes it by giving us all sufficiency. Not just what we need. But he gives us, even in our wants, he he lets us walk in him to his fullness if we will understand it and appropriate it and watch what God does. So we believe without limits. Our core value is we honor We honor up. We honor God. And that will even come up in the stewardship. We honor one another. We honor our pastor. We honor one another. But let me tell you the, 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 the final thing about this thing about citizenship. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, aside from Jesus Christ, is without hierarchy. There's only one king. He doesn't need a whole bunch of people to rule over because he's the ultimate ruler. What he wants is all of us to rule together. to rule this world in him, in the spirit, and do it together, better together. Honoring one another in love. Watching things so that I will give you honor and prefer you over my own desire to see you fulfilled as surely as you would look at me in the same way. And that's why Jesus, or, or Paul rather, used the expressions about comparing Christ and the church when he talked about husbands and wives. Because we are to honor one another and prefer one another at all times. And in doing so, we're giving a living example of kingdom citizenship because the servant king Jesus came to serve 
and told us if we're going to be anything in his kingdom, we've got to know how to serve one another and how to operate, and that'll go back into our stewardship lesson. And he has given us these things and said, this is how you're going to do it. And this is the, the epitome of glorious peace and righteousness in that we don't have to worry. We don't have to fret. We, we don't have to bow down to anybody. We don't have to submit. And you need to know that because the plans on the horizon to try to bring back the masks and, and cause all these things, which it, it, now that's how stupid the enemy is. We have countless reports of how masks don't work. But now you know what they're talking about? We got to get the masks back. We got to get the people locked down again. We got to get all this because we're coming up on an election here. Now, if you haven't heard it, you're blessed. Well, that's literally World Health Organization, UN, and several other organizations of the elites that are saying these things. But we don't have to fear it. We don't have to dread it. We don't. It, it, it's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, it, I'm telling you, King, it might be burn, baby, burn, but we're not going to bow. 